have a clear mind. Lord, help me to be able to say the things that you would have me to say. As we study the subject this morning, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon me. And Lord, I pray that this would be a time of uh, growth and challenge, Lord, that we would learn from your word. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Proverbs chapter number 3. And today, you may or may not know this, or you may or may not care, but today is actually the last sermon in a series that we've been doing the last uh, six, seven weeks, entitled Five Keys to Unlocking God's Blessings. And we've been talking about different uh, parts of Scripture and different uh, principles that the Bible teaches us in regards to unlocking uh, the, the blessings of God on our life. And if you remember, uh, we, we've gone through four, four keys already. The first one was to meditate upon God's Word. God has promised if you meditate, memorize, and keep His Word in your heart, that He will bless you. The second one was to obey God's Word. And throughout Scripture, we saw that if we obey what He tells us to do, God actually wants to bless us. The third one was to walk with integrity, to walk, to do right, even if no one would know about it, even if no one would find out about it, and that would bring God's blessings on our life. The last one, last week, we talked about just good old-fashioned, getting up early, staying up late, and working hard. And if you work hard, God promises to bless you. Today, we're going to look at the last... Uh, key in regards to his blessings, and uh, I'd like you to keep your finger there in Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to come back to it, but if you go with me to the book of Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it's the fifth book in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter number 8, and today uh, we're going to talk about something that we all like to talk about. Except in church. And that's the subject of finances. And I want you to understand a few things. And kind of as we go, by the way, I just said that word and some of you already tuned me out. But I would appreciate if you just just listen to me for a few moments. And I want to show you a couple things from scripture just by way of introduction. And in Deuteronomy chapter number 8, I want you to understand this, okay? We all want God's blessings on our finances. And I don't really feel like I could preach an entire sermon on God's blessings and not deal with the subject of God's blessings on your finances. Now, you need to understand this, okay? If you are a Christian, this is of very much importance to you. Now, maybe you're here today and you say, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. I don't believe in God. Uh, maybe you're a first-time guest. You say, I, you know, I, I don't know what I think about all this. I don't think about church. Uh, I'm glad you're here because you're going to get to see kind of a part of Christianity that it, it, it's kind of, you know, us just talking talking about God's word, but if you're a Christian, you need to understand this. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18, the Bible says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Now notice this, the subject is the Lord thy God. It says, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And you need to understand this, that as a Christian, we believe that it is God who gives us the power or the ability to be able to provide for ourselves, provide for our family, like the Bible says here, to get wealth. Now I've said it before and I'm going to say it again because uh, I want you to understand, we are not preaching a health and wealth, prosperity gospel. We're not preaching a God's going to make you rich. You put a hundred dollars in the offering plate, God's going to give you a thousand. The Bible does not teach that. You cannot find that in scripture. Okay, but God does want to bless you, and the Bible tells us here very quick, uh, clearly that it is God, the one that giveth the power to get well. Now you're there in Deuteronomy eight. Flip over a few pages to Deuteronomy 28. We saw Deuteronomy 28 a few weeks ago when we were talking about obeying God's word. But I, I want you to notice something about God. Not only does He want, not only is He able to bless you financially. But God also wants to bless you financially. 
And that ought to be an exciting thought. Deuteronomy 28, look at verse 4. The Bible says, Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground. Now you've got to understand, he's talking to people whose, uh, whose main form of income is agriculture. They are harvesting. They are planting. And he says, I want to bless you and I want to bless the fruit of thy ground. Here's what he's saying to them. I want to bless you financially. I want to bless your work. He says, And the fruit of thy cattle and the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. All these things to the, to the people of Israel Israel at this time, when he talks about the fruit of your ground, when he talks about the fruit of your cattle, when he talks about the increase of thy kind and the flocks and the sheep, when, when he says those things to them, here's what they interpret it as, money. He said, I want to bless you financially. Look at verse 5. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. He said, where you keep all your substance, where you keep all your, you know, uh, 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 things that I bless you. He said, I'm going to bless that too. Go, go to verse number 8. Skip down to verse 8. It says, and the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in the storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Bible teaches that God wants to bless you. Look at verse 11. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. Now look, these verses are in the Bible. I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm not here to tell you that God's going to make you rich. But the Bible says, Deuteronomy 28, 11, And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Now you need to understand this, okay, before we go any further. God wants to bless you financially. That doesn't mean you're going to become a millionaire. Okay, number one. Number two, you can go through times where God's will for your life is to not have a lot of money. If you remember, we talked about the story of Job, how there was a time in Job's life where Job lost everything. He lost all his money, he lost his family, his wife even, you know, talked bad about him. He lost everything that he had. But we cannot ignore the fact that at the end of the book of Job, God restored him back. And not only did he restore him back, but he restored him double. And, and we need to understand this. God wants to bless you financially. God is the one who blesses you financially. And any blessings that you have financially is because God allowed you to do that. Now here's the thing. We all want to be blessed financially. I've never met somebody who said, I've got enough money. I need no more money. Okay? I mean, even people who have, you know, no one feels like they've ever financially arrived. And even people who have financially arrived don't feel like they financially arrived. Okay? So, we are all interested in the subject of having God bless us financially. And no one would turn down God's blessings on their finances. I mean, if God came down and said, I'm going to bless you financially, I'm going to double your income, none of us would say, no God, I don't want that blessing. Give it to my brother, you know. I mean, we would all want God's blessings on our life. Now, here's the problem, and here's why we don't... You know, everybody everybody wants to talk about money. I mean, you, you listen to the news, you, you, you listen to the radio, you go, you know, you, you uh, read the newspaper, and everything's the economy, the economy. Everyone wants to talk about money, but it's, it's the taboo subject to talk about money in church. And let me just give you a few things, okay? First of all, and, and I want to say this, for those of you that have been here, and you've been here for weeks and weeks and weeks and months and years, okay, you can attest to this, that this is the truth. At Verity Baptist Church, we don't talk a lot about money. Okay, we don't make a big deal about money, and you know, maybe it's your first time here, and you say, oh, this is one of these preachers that's talking about money. You just happen to have came to the sermon that I preach once or twice a year on the subject of money, alright, because we really don't talk about money.
Monday a lot at Verity Baptist Church. Right. Now, I've actually had people thank me. I've had people, you know, our church members come up to me and say, I want to thank you uh, for the way you guys deal with the subject of money. Because there are some churches that do some crazy things. Okay, at other churches, and I've been to some of these churches, but at mo- many churches, before they take the offering every week, the pastor gives a mini-sermon on the subject of tithing. You know, it's just like, he's got a 15-minute sermon of, on, on tithing every week, and then he's got another sermon. And it's always before the offering. At other churches, you know, they'll, they'll, I've heard of churches that take the offering twice. They'll take the offering at the beginning, but just because people have a tendency to be late and inconsistent, they'll take an offering at the end just to make sure they get all the late comments. You know, they'll take one in the, at the beginning of the sermon, they'll take one at the end of the sermon. I mean, I've, I've heard of, I recently heard of a church where the pastor would literally, before they take the offering, he would take the offering envelope and raise it above his head, and all the church members would take the offering envelope and raise it above it, and they would all chant together, we believe in tithing because the Bible teaches it, and because the Bible teaches, I will tithe. Now look, that's a weird, alright? I mean, that's probably going to make some, you know, some people that don't tithe uncomfortable. You know, you're all raising your, your offering. We believe in tithing, not really. But, so, so, look, we don't we don't do that. Okay, you say, what do we do at Verity Baptist? Here's what we do at Verity Baptist Church. We say, we're going to take an offering, then we take the offering, and then we're done. We don't try to guilt you into giving. We don't try. So I, I want you to understand this. We do not emphasize money at Verity Baptist Church. Right. And by the way, we, we take a stand that is the same stand that Jesus Christ took, which is that you should not make the house of God a house of merchandise. We actually don't sell anything at Verity Baptist Church. Right. You'll never pay for a DVD. You'll never pay for a preaching CD. You'll never pay for an activity. We're not here to make business. We're never going to have a bookstore. We're never going to sell you a cup of coffee. We're, we believe, you know, freely we've received and freely we should give it away. And, and God blesses us. But you need to understand this. We don't emphasize money. We're not trying to guilt you into giving money. But at the same time, the Bible talks about money and finances, and we will preach from it from time to time, because it's in the Word of God, and we need to preach the entire counsel of God, the whole counsel of God. So we're not ashamed of it, but we don't emphasize it, like at other churches. But you need to understand, the Bible does talk about money. Now you may be asking, why would you preach about uh, money on a series on God's blessing? Here's what you got to understand. If you go back to Proverbs chapter number 3, Proverbs chapter number 3, the Bible says this, we saw that God... Number one is the one that can bless you financially. And we saw that God wants to bless you financially. So then some, some of you may be asking yourself this question. Why is God not blessing me financially? If he can bless me financially, and if he wants to bless me financially, why is he not blessing me financially? And want to answer that. One of the reasons, and I want you to say, this is not the main reason. One of the reasons that God is not blessing you financially may be on the subject that we're talking about today. But there may be other reasons. Some of you may need to just get last week's sermon and listen to it again on the subject of just working hard. Some of you guys are not blessing you financially because you're lazy, and that's your problem. All right. So I'm not saying this is the only problem. This may be a problem. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, notice what the Bible says. Honor the Lord with thy substance. That's your money. That's what you have. Honor the Lord with thy substance. And with the first fruits of thine increase. So, word first fruits is the uh, I don't and I don't have time to develop. You can say this on your. But the first first fruits is the equivalent and is sometimes used interchangeably with the word tithe. All right, and we'll talk about that word in a little bit. But the Bible says, "Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase." I want you to notice verse ten. It says, "So, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty." And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. The Bible 
says that God wants to fill your barns with plenty and make sure your presses burst out with new wine. He says, I want to prosper you. He says, I want to bless you. But that word so, at the beginning of verse 10, connects the thought in verse 10 with the thought in verse 9. And here's what you're going to understand. When we honor the Lord with our substance and with the first fruits of all our increase, then that allows God, the so there allows God to then bless us financially. And here's what you need to understand. God gives financial priority to those who give financial priority to Him. When you honor God with your substance, then He says, I will bless you in the area of substance. So when you honor God financially, then God says, I will honor you financially. And a reason that maybe some of us are struggling financially, and I'm not saying that's the only reason, but a reason that maybe we're not seeing God's blessing in the way that we'd like to see it, is not that God's not able to bless you, and it's not that God's not willing to bless you, but it's that God says, I'm not going to bless you financially when you're not doing your part financially. Well, the, the Bible is clear. God gives financial authority, priority to those who give God financial priority. Now you need to understand, okay? And I, and I want to teach you a little, brothers. I'm not going to go into a lot of depth, but I want you to understand because a lot of times people don't know these things or, or have never heard these things. But I'd like you to go to Malachi chapter number 3. Malachi is a very famous passage when it comes to the subject of tithing. And I want you to just learn from Malachi chapter 3. It's easy to find. It's the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter number 3. And I'd like you to look at verse number 10. Malachi chapter number 3. And I would like you to look at verse number 10. Malachi chapter number 3 and verse 10. The Bible says, Bring ye Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, and he goes on, and we'll get up to the rest. But I want you to understand this. God established something in the Bible that he called the tithe. And you know, we like to complicate things and we like to make things more complicated than they are. The word tithe just means, here's all it means, it means 10%, or the 10th part. And here's what God said. God said, I'm going to bless you. He said, I'm going to bless you financially, and then I want you to return to me 10% of what I bless you. Now look, I, you know, I could pray, I could go to a lot of verses, and I could do a lot of things, and I've done that before, and I may do that again another time. But I just want you to understand this. God wants you, in the simplest way, you know, just the basic way, every time that God blesses you with $10, God wants you to return to Him $1. So when I go to work, and God, you know, my, my, the, the owner of my job or whatever, hands me my check, you know, and I got paid $10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, then this is all God wants. I take these $10 and I say, God, thank you for blessing me with these $10. It took me six hours to earn $10 because they pay me what I'm worth. But um, I got these $10 here and then here's all God wants me to do. To take one of those dollars and say, here you go, God. And that's it. It's not complicated. You get $10. This is how, yeah, by the way, this is how I teach my kids to tie. You know, my kids, they, they have their little uh, money, their, their little uh, piggy bank and this a couple weeks ago, they were like, Dad, can you, uh, you know, when you go to the bank, can you get us, uh, our, can, our, can we cash in all our change and get money? And I'm like, sure, you know. And, um, you know, I thought it was going to be like $5 or something. They, they, they come back with $30 worth of change. And I'm like, good night. That's a lot of money. And I taught my kids. I said, okay, look, God gave, you got $10. You got to take $1 and give it back to God. 
And when you get another ten dollars, you give one dollar and you give it back to God. And when you now look, is it complicated? Is it hard for anybody when you have a ten dollar bill to put one dollar in the offering plate and give it back to God? That's not difficult. Okay, that, that's all it is. God wants you to, every time you get $10, you take $1 and you give it to God. Now here's what you got to understand. God established the tithe. But not only did God establish the tithe, and we wrote a lot of verses, and I don't have time to deal with that. You can look at that on your own if you'd like. Study out the word tithe and talk about scripture. But not only did God establish the principle of the tithe, He said, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. I want you to understand this. God connected to the tithe a blessing. Are you there in Malachi chapter 3? Look at verse 10. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you windows of heaven. Now notice this. And pour you out a blessing. Do you see the word blessing there? So God attached to the subject of tithing a blessing. He said, He said, If I will not pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Here's the blessings. He shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. So he says, Look, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour you out a blessing. It's going to be so much that you cannot contain it. He says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. Again, thinking about an agricultural type society. He's talking about the devourer there. He's talking about like an, an, an insect or an animal uh, that would eat like a caterpillar or locust. He said, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. That, that thing that would come in and would destroy your crops and cause you to maybe not do well financially. He said, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. He said, if you honor me with 10% of your income, he said, I'll make sure to rebuke the devourer. And, and the illustration there, of course, is Satan. Because the Bible says that he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And aren't there things that could devour your finances? I mean, couldn't, couldn't you get like in a car accident and have that ruin you financially? Couldn't you have, you know, something happen, your job closes down, something. And God says, look, one of the things that I will do for you is if you tithe, he said, I'm going to rebuke the devourer, I'm going to pour you out a blessing, and I'm going I'm, I'm to bless you financially. Now, here's what you got to understand, okay? When it comes to tithing, you need to understand this. And people have the wrong idea about tithing. You're there in Malachi. We're going to come back to Malachi, but go to Matthew. You're in the last book of the Old Testament. Go to Matthew, the first book in the Old Testament. And you need to understand something about tithing. Matthew 23, and look at verse 23. You do not give your tithe to God. The Bible says, Matthew 23, 23, that you pay your tithe. To God. Are you there in Matthew 23? Look at verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye, notice this word, pay tithe. See, Jesus, when Jesus talked about tithing, here's what he said. You do not give your tithe. He says you pay your tithe. And here's what you need to understand. The tithe is expected of you. It's not your money. God has blessed you with it. And here's what you can understand. And see, people get this idea. God really wants you to give him 10%. You got to understand this. 100% of it is his. Right. He lets you keep 90% of it. He says, all I want back is the 10%. But he says, you pay it back. He says, for ye pay tithe. Now, let me just deal with this verse real quickly. And I'm not preaching about this verse, but since we're here, a lot of people will look at this verse. I've had so many people, you know, because today there are, there, there, there are places and there are preachers and there's like a whole culture of people that they'll say like, tithing is not for the New Testament. Tithing is not for, for, for New Testament believers. Well, is Matthew uh, part of the New Testament? Okay, so, I mean, 
Can you get any more? So it's still part of the New Testament. Jesus made sure to talk about it in the first book. All right. Now, people will look at this verse, and because it looks negative, because if people read the Bible and they don't really study it, and it looks negative, and people will take me to this verse and say, see, Jesus is talking bad about tithing. But notice what he says. What were to you, scribes and Pharisees? So he's dealing with the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Is he happy with them? No. He's upset with them. Why? Because they're hypocrites. Now, notice what he says. For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and, and I've had people take this verse and say, See, Jesus was upset with them because they were paying their time. But is that what it says? He says, You're a hypocrite, here's why. For, the word for means because. He says, Because you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. So here's why Jesus is upset with them. He said, I'm upset because you pay your tithe. But you've omitted, or you've forgotten about the weightier matters of law. Jesus says, there are some things in the law that are more important than money. He says, you've omitted the weightier matters of law. What are they? Judgment, mercy, and faith. Now notice this phrase, okay? These ought ye to have done. What ought they to have done? Pay tithe. He said, I'm not upset that you paid the tithe. He said, this ought ye to have done. And not to leave the other undone. Do you, do you understand the verse? He says, I'm upset with you hypocrites because you pay your tithe, but you don't show mercy. You don't have judgment. You've omitted, the, you, uh, he said, you don't, uh, you don't have faith. He said, you've omitted the weightier uh, matters of law. He said, I wish this is what you would have done is pay your tithe and have judgment and mercy and faith. He said, these ought you to have done and not to love the other man. So this is not Jesus rebuking them for tithing. This is Jesus rebuking them for putting money in the offering plate and feeling spiritual when they don't have faith and they don't have mercy and they don't have judgment. And even more than that, if there's ever a place where Jesus could have rebuked tithing, would not have this been it, and yet he didn't. If anything, he promotes it. He says, this ought you to have done. He said, I'm glad you're paying tithe on the smallest uh, of mint and anise and cumin, but I also want you to have a judgment, mercy, and faith. Go back to Malachi chapter 3. And I just want you to see this phrase, for ye pay tithe. You've got to understand this, okay? You don't give your tithe. You pay your tithe. Because here's the thing. Uh, when you give something as a gift, that's not expected of you. That's not required of you. But when I owe someone money, Okay, when I pay my mortgage bill, I do not go to my mortgage company and I say, listen, you know, bank of, I don't even know who my mortgage people are, they change every week. Bank of whatever you are, I want to bless you this month with $1,200. Here you go, just from the bottom of my No, I owe them that money. I'm paying my mortgage. I'm not giving them anything. I owe them the money. And now you say, well, I'm, I'm going to give God my 10%. Well, let's see, does God look at it that way? Malachi chapter 3, look at verse 8. Look what he says. Will a man rob God? Okay, so does God think you're giving him, a, doing something for him? You're giving him a favor? You're helping him along the way? He says, no, you owe me 10%. And he says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, where and have we robbed me? Some of you are asking that question right now. And I'll tell you exactly where you robbed him. In tithes and offerings. Good. Because God expects it. And by the way, let me just tell you this. God expects an offering too. I'm not going to preach on that. A tithe and an offering are two different things. A tithe is where God tells you how much I want you to give. He says, I want you to give me 10%. And then an offering, he says, I don't, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you how much to give me. I'm just going to tell you, you have to give me an offering, but I'll let you decide. And here's what you're going to understand. The tithe proves your obedience. 
Because God says, I want 10%. I want $1 back for every $10 I give you. And that when you put that in the offering plate, you've not done God a favor. You have not earned any extra points with God. You haven't done anything for God. All you've done is this. Show God, I am obedient. I can follow orders. Amen. You say you want 10% back, I'll give you 10% back. Here you go. Amen. When you give God an offering above your tithe, now you're saying, I not only want to obey you, God, I want to show you how much I love you. And he says, now he expects both. But he says, I'm going to tell you how much here, you decide how much here, depending on how much you love me. Now notice what he says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But he's saying, where have we robbed thee? In tithe and offering. Now notice this, notice this. Because some of you, I know you guys are smart. And some of you are thinking, okay, well listen. If, 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 if financial blessing is a tax tithe, I can do without a financial blessing. I mean, I've made it this far being broke. <laughs> I can be broke the rest of my life. And I'll just keep the tithe. But it's not that easy if you're a Christian. Because notice what he says. Verse 9. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me. So see, you don't get to choose. You either obey and say, and God says, okay, I'll bless you. Or you choose to disobey, but you don't stay neutral. God says, you're disobeying me, you're robbing from me, you're stealing from me. And he said, I'm going to curse you with your curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, you've got to understand this, you know, and, and, and sometimes people ask me this. They say, why, why would God choose tithe? Why would God decide, you know, just, I, 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 I want 10% back? And, and you've got to understand, and I'll be very honest with you. God chose the tithe to be able to supply for the needs of His house. Are you there in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10? Look what it says. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Okay? Now in the Old Testament, the house was a tabernacle, the house of God, the house of the temple. In the New Testament, first Timothy tells us, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the uh, church, it says the house, uh, good night, let's just go there, because I'm going to misquote it. You memorize these verses, and you get in front of people, and you misquote it. First Timothy, church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. First Timothy chapter, where is it? Trying to blank. Where? Help me out, brother. Chapter four. Chapter four, verse three. There we go. But if I tell you long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. So according to the in, in the New Testament, we don't have a temple, we don't have a tabernacle. The house of God is the church of the living God. So in the Old Testament, they would bring the tithe into the storehouse, which was the tabernacle, which was the temple. In the New Testament, you bring the tithe to the house of God, which is the church of God. And that's that's important because you need to understand, you don't get to just choose where your tithe goes. This week I'm gonna send it to Joel Osteen. Next week I'm gonna send it to T D Jakes. Next week, I'm just going to give it to my neighbor. No, it's not your decision. Do, look, do I just get to choose who I'm going to send my mortgage payment to? This week, I'm going to send it to Wells Fargo. Next week, I'm going to send it to Bank of America. The week after that, I'm going to take it to, you know, Bank of the West. No, you, you send it to who you owe it to. And God says, I want you to pay it to the house of God. Now, you've got to understand this. And some of you, you know, you, you, you may not get this, so I want to just break it down. Go back to Malachi. Because we, we, like, we tend to spiritualize things. You say, well, what is the purpose of the time? It goes to the storehouse. Notice what he says. Malachi chapter 3. And look at verse number... Where were we? Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. But ye bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. The word meat talks about food. He's saying, look, this is how we provide. And, and, and I know we're very spiritual people, and I love the fact that we're spiritual people. But you've got to understand this, okay? When we order ten large pizzas for family fun night, 
You know that pizza guy doesn't show up and says, you're doing a great work for God here. Here are ten large pizzas. There you go. God bless you. You know that we have to pay for that? You know that we have to pay for these lights to be on? You know that we have to pay for the air conditioner to be on? You know that, that, that it costs money to put gas in a van to pick people up? I, I, know, I know you guys, you know, we don't run up with spirituality. You know that we have to pay rent to be able to meet in this building? And God says, and God says I'm going to establish a principle of tithing so that my house can be taken care of. It's not that difficult. I, I, and I know that our society has brainwashed us with this welfare mentality that, that you know, but I'm not Barack Obama. I can't make money just come out of thin air. Okay? I, I can't just, you know, it's just like, you know, we, we get this idea like, the government, you know, the government bought me this, and you, you, you just got to understand this. When, whenever, so, whenever you get something for free, somebody paid for it. Obama's going to take care of me. No, he's taking that money from somewhere. He's taking that money from someone. Those doctors are not just working for free. That housing that you're getting is not just, nobody just volunteered to, I'm going to give this house for free. Somebody's paying that bill. And it's the same thing with church. Somebody's paying for those donuts. Somebody's paying for that car. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just trying to get you to understand. It's not as spiritual as we think. We consume. So God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to establish a principle, tithing, where everyone's going to give 10% of their income to provide for the needs of the house of God. And here's, here's what's so interesting about it. God associates. Now, do you think that God is interested in taking care of his house? Yeah. And here's what God did. I'm going to connect the thought of how my house is taken care of with how well my people are doing financially. Because a tithe is a percentage. So you give, as I say, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. God set it up so that the better you're doing financially, the better the church does financially. You understand that? That ought to explain to you that God wants to bless you. God wants to make sure that you're, because he says, if everybody's broke, then the church is going to be broke. Because you're only getting 10% of that income. And by the way, that's why, and, and you need to understand this, Tithing is a percentage. Sometimes people say to me, Pastor, I don't, I don't make enough money to tithe. Now, listen to me. And I'm, not, I'm not trying to offend you. That's not true. It's a lie. Here's why. It's a percentage. You say, Pastor, I don't have enough money to tithe. I only made $10 this week. Well, then all God wants you to give him back is a dollar. You understand that? Now, when these, if these $10 bills were all $20 bills, then that percentage is going to change. If these one dollar bills were all ten dollar bills, and I had a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars, then I would put ten dollars in. If they were all hundred dollar bills, I had a thousand dollars, and I put a hundred dollars. But look, you gotta understand this, okay? Do you think is it easier for me to take a ten dollar bill or ten dollars and put a dollar in the offering plate? Is that easier than if I had ten one hundred dollar bills and to put a hundred dollars in the offering? It's actually easier to tie when you don't have a lot of money. So to say, I'm too broke to tithe is a lie because, look, it's only going to get harder from here. The more that God blesses you, it's just going to feel like, well, if I made more money, I can tithe. If you made more money, you wouldn't tithe. Because here's what you're going to say. Go to Luke chapter 16. Luke 16. You're there in Malachi. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke 16. Look at verse 10. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm not trying to upset you. We preach on this at once every six to eight months. Okay, you just happen to be here for the day. Maybe you need it. Luke 16, look at verse 10. Luke 16, verse 10. Luke 16, 10. He that is faithful in that which is least... Is faithful also in much. Pastor, you don't understand. When I get a job and I make more money and I make more money than I'm making now, then I'll be able to tithe. You're lying. Because if you're not faithful in the least, how are you going to be faithful with the much? If you can't put a dollar in when you're making $10 an hour, how are you going to put 
ten dollars in when you're making a hundred dollars. Right. He that is faithful in the least is also faithful in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Now, just so you understand the context, I'm not taking this verse out of context. Look at verse 11. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. You know what the word mammon means? Money. He says, look, if you're not faithful with money, if I can't trust you with the least of the money, how am I going to trust you with the most? How am I going to bless you financially? How am I going to... God says, how am I supposed to bless you financially when you're stealing from me? When you're robbing from me? He said, I have more money. I have a better job. I have better finances. I can give you that raise. I'm the one that has the power to give you wealth. Amen. Come on, but you're stealing from me. And he says, if I can't trust you with a little, why would I give you more? If you're stealing from me with a little bit, why would I give you more? Look at verse 13. Luke 16, 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Now don't miss this. Ye cannot serve God and man. You can't serve God and money. You either serve God or you serve money, but you can't do both. Now here's what's interesting. I read this quote. You cannot serve God and money, but you can serve God with money. You can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with your money. And God says, look, when I give you ten, all I want is one back. And when these tens become tens, then I want a ten back. And when these tens become a hundred, then I want a hundred back. But here's the thing. I'm never going to get to these being a hundred if I can't be proven faithful with the little. If I can't be trusted with a little bit, why would you trust? Now here's what you can understand, okay? There are types of givers in churches. And again, I'm not saying this is big on you. It's Sunday morning. This, this sermon was scheduled for like six months, all right? Some of you are like, Pastor's preaching this because he knows that I don't give. <laughs> <laughs> this sermon is scheduled for a second. Okay. My sermon is scheduled well in advance. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on you, but you need to understand this. There are certain types of givers in church. There are the non-givers. The ones that don't give. Now again, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I, I'm, I'm not mad at you. I love you. I'm here for you. And by the way, if you never gave a dime to Mary Baptist Church, we would love you. We would pray for you. We would do everything in our power to help you. We would do everything we can to be a blessing to you. We don't care about it. We're here to be a blessing. I believe that God will take care of us. I'm not worried about it. Alright? If you walk out of here and say, Pastor, I like you, I like Mary Baptist Church, but I'm never giving it up. We love you, I'll shake your hand, I'll pray for you. God bless you. But you need to understand this. I'm going to give those of you who... Do not give any money. Very bad. Never give him a dime. Very bad. I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you didn't realize that PG&E was cutting us a deal. You know, you thought that we were just these lights were just coming on for free. All right. It costs money to run a ministry. You say, Pastor, I really, every time I come to Mary Baptist, I just learn so much. So, you give us so much, you know, meat from the Word of God, and you just get good to and I'm learning so much. You think I just woke up this morning and just. Ready to preach. It takes time to write sermons. It takes time to read the Bible, to study, to understand, to get thoughts together. Probably Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm just saying, I'm glad if those sermons have been a blessing to you. But do you understand that I'm able to do this because I don't have to go work 40 hours a week somewhere? I'm able to work for the church and be a blessing to you. And when you call me at 11.30, I take your phone call sometimes. And when you call me at 4 in the morning, I take your phone call sometimes. And, and, and when you need me to go visit you at the hospital, when you need me to go pray for your friend, and when you need me to, look, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity, but you understand. My kids, they got in this really bad habit where they like to eat. And they're growing and they need clothes. And you just got to understand this. It costs money to run this. And God established the tithe. 
It costs money to pay the bills. God has never said. So churches have non-givers. They do not give. Then there are the tippers. They randomly give. They'll throw in a few dollars in the offering plate. You know, today I'm going to give God... And here's the attitude of the, of the tippers. How much do I want to give God of my money? And here's the problem. It's their money. It's not God's money. It's my money. How much do I want to give to God? Now look, I'm thankful for every dollar that comes in the offering plate. And if you put a $5 bill in the offering plate, and that's your tithe, praise the Lord for it, you're doing the right thing. But let me tell you something. The dollars that go into the offering plate are not paying bills around here. You know who's paying the bills around here? The tithers. Those who give proportionally and systematically. Those who have decided, I'm going to obey God of my finances, I'm going to give, return to Him 10% of what He's given to me, and I'm going to do it on a regular basis. Every time I get paid, I'm going to write out a check for 10% of what God has blessed me with, and I'm going to return to God's house. And that's the way God meant for it to be done. And let me tell you something. Churches, you know, you want to know why these pastors get up and they make you put your offering plate in the air and say, God's going to bless me, I'm going to put money. You want to know why they do all that? You want to know why they make you promises that are not true? And they say, for every dollar you put in the offering plate, God's going to give you a thousand. You want to know why they do all that? Because most people in churches are fighting. And they need the money. Now look, honestly, I'll be honest with you. You know, the, the problem that we have at Verity Baptist Church is we don't make a big deal about money and people get this idea. They must not need it. But that's not true. Of course we need it. But we don't make a big deal about it because God doesn't make a big deal about it. And it's just funny that when you, read, when you preach through God's word, you just end up making a big deal about the things that God makes a big deal about. But you've got to understand this. God has given us the opportunity to tithe, to return back to Him, to be obedient. And then, of course, there are also extravagant givers. There are people that not only give their tithe, but give well above their tithe. And I've just noticed that those people seem to be the ones that are most financially blessed. Now, people that are broke get this idea. They're extravagant givers because they have a lot of money. But if you understood the Bible, you would understand that they have a lot of money because they're extravagant givers. Because the Bible says that God, you cannot outgive God. God says, you give to me, I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to give you more. It's going to, I'm going to pour you out a blessing that ye cannot contain. You say, now why would, why, why would God establish sight? Let's just, let's just get down to the brass tacks. Luke chapter 12, verse 34. You're there in Luke 16, go to Luke chapter 12. We're almost done. You guys, yeah, whenever you preach about money, it's uncomfortable. I know. Luke chapter 12, look at verse 34. Here's what it comes down to. Then why would God establish a principle of tithing? Why would God do that? Here's why God does that. Okay? You need to understand this, alright? Talk is cheap. We like to run around and say, I love God so much. God's done so much for me. I'll do anything God tells me to do. But then God says this, okay, well put your money where your mouth is. Because Luke 12, 34 says this, For where your treasure is, there where your heart be also. And you know, we can, you can say all you want, you love God, I love God so much, I love this, you know, God's done so much for me. But let me tell you something, you let us look at your checkbook and we'll know exactly where your heart is. Because we can look at your checkbook and say, oh yeah, this person loves God. Look, they're systematically and proportionally giving to God. They're giving above what God has given them. They must have a heart for God. And some of you, we might look at your checkbook or your bank statement and say, man, they sure love Colonel Sanders. <laughs> they sure love, you know, Ronald McDonald. <laughs> but I don't think they know who God is. Because where your treasure is, there where your heart feels. And we love movies, and we love DVDs, and we like video games, and we like all sorts of things. All gadgets, and new cars, and new things. And I'm not against you. God wants to bless you with all that. But make sure you put God first. Because God gives financial priority to those who give God financial priority. 
And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Go, go back to Malachi chapter 3. We're done. We're done right here. Malachi chapter 3. I just want to give you one more thing. We're done. Wouldn't it be something if we lived as if God really was in control of everything? Putting our finances. You know, we say that. God's in control. God's still on His throne. Do you believe that? Wouldn't it be interesting if we actually lived as if God really was in control of everything, including our finances, and that God could actually provide for us financially if we just trusted His Word. Malachi chapter 3, look at verse 7. I just want to show you one thing. It's very interesting about tithing, because this is, and I may be wrong, but this is the only place in Scripture that I can find this. Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Now notice this phrase. I, I, don't, I don't really see God doing this a lot, but He says, and prove... Me now here with. Here with what? With your tithe. See, you find God often saying this. Thus saith the Lord God. And you often find God saying this. Do it because I told you to do it. Do it because I said to do it. Just do it because the Word says it. And praise the Lord for it. And we should do that. But see, God knows that when it comes to money, we get all agitated. When it comes to money, we get all awkward. And when it comes to money, you're thinking, when is this summer going to be done so I can get out of here? <laughs> Go to... But here's the point. God has given us one place where He says, look, I'm going to let you prove this. I, I dare you to see if I'll do what I said to do. I mean, does that not what it says? He says, Prove me now here with, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. God says, look, test me. I promise I'll take care of you. He said, why don't you prove me? Why don't you test me? Why don't you take me up on my offer and see if I will? And here's, and here's the point, and here's the challenge, and we're done. Some of you are tithing, praise the Lord for it. God bless you. God's going to bless you. Keep doing what you're doing. But maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, you know what? I'm, I'm not systematic. I'm, I'm tipping God. I'll give him $5 a year. I'll give him $10 a year. I'll give him $20 a year. But I'm not just sitting down and figuring out how much God has blessed me with my income and returning back to Him and paying back to Him the 10%. Maybe you're here and you say, I'm not doing that. But you know you should. Here's, here's I'm, all, I'm only going to say to you what God will say to you. Why aren't you trusting? Why don't you dare? Why don't you prove it? Why don't you, you know, today is June 1st. We're, we're officially in summer, I think. I don't know. Why don't you for the next three months, June, July, August, just make a choice. Just say, for the next three months, I'm going to tie and prove God. Amen. And I've got to make you suspicion that at the end of the summer, some of you are going to weigh more than you weigh right now. <laughs> and, and you're not going to be just living under a bridge somewhere. You're going to be okay financially. Because God says, I'm going to bless you in a way that you're not going to be able to contain. And by the way, that's not always financial blessing. It may be all sorts of different types of blessings. Right. But why don't you prove it? You say, I- I'm not doing it. Why don't you do it? Why don't you say, for the next three months, I'm going to tie. For the next, for the next, for, for this summer, I'm going to faithfully, every time I get paid, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to figure out how much God has blessed me. When someone gives me a gift, when someone gives me money, I'm going to figure out how much God has blessed me with, and I'm going to return back to God the temper that, and I'm going to take God up on His offer, and I'm going to prove Him. Amen. Maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor, I've never even given a dollar to Verity Baptist Church. I mean, tithing seems like something so incredible. Why don't you just try giving to God? Why don't you just try putting something in the offer? I mean, you're still stealing from Him. Why don't you take a step of faith and say, I'm going to work towards it? 
Hey, Pastor Ben, are you preaching this? Because look, I could easily, I mean, I could come up to you and be like, there's a church. They're okay. X amount of dollars and they're going to close us down. Okay. We're, we're okay. We're, actually, we're doing great financially. Pastor, why are you preaching this? Because every year, I get a calendar, and I say, on this random day, I'm preaching about tithing, and on this random day, I'm preaching about tithing, and you just happen to be at the random day about tithing. <laughs> say, are we doing that financially? No. Do you guys need money? We're okay. We're fine. I mean, we're not doing great, but we're God's taking care of it. God blesses us. So why are you preaching this? Because some of you are missing out on God's blessings because you're disdaining and you're stealing from Him. And God says, I want to bless you. Prove me. Why don't you take me up on my offer? Let's bow our hands and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. And Lord, I pray that you would please just help the sermon to be received in the spirit in which it was given. Father, thank you for taking care of us financially. You always have. And Lord, I I know that you take care of us. I'm not worried about it. Sometimes things may look bad, but we know that you're in control. But Father, I pray that maybe somebody today would just take a step of faith, and and maybe they just need to grow. Maybe this is just their next spiritual growth. They need to just trust you financially. They, They trust you with their faith of their eternity, but we don't trust you with our finances. Lord, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd bless us. Thank you, Father. If there's people here sitting in this room that say, you know what, I'm going to take that challenge. I'm going to prove God. For the next three months, I'm going to tithe proportionally, systematically. Lord, I pray that you'd become so real in their lives. That you would just make it so clear that you're taking care of them. That they would tithe for the rest of their lives. Not because we need it. Not because we want it. But we're, we're doing great. I'm thankful for the blessings you've given us. Lord, I pray that you just help us to be obedient children. We love you, Father. In your precious name, I pray.